to the Barack Obama Approved World's Greatest Podcast, Hyphenation. I'm your host, Kellen Conley, and I got a gang of people with me again. Gang, gang. Gang, gang. First and foremost, I want to introduce for the third time to the show, my lovely wife, Angel Conley. Oh, that's nice. Good brownie points. Nice. I I try. Um, Yeah. All the way... From Boston, Mass, as New Edition once said on the home, not the Home Again album, on the Heartbreak album. Michael Lamarique. What or Lamarique. I like Lamarique better. It's got a spicy twinge to it. I like it too. Mm. It's all about that dirty water up here, people. Oh, here we go. Whatever that means. <laughs> it's what makes champions. Uh, I guess I'm cutting things out already then. Ooh. Um, <laughs> I'm just you want, you want to talk about like uh, the, the, one of the things you may have to cut out my Super Bowl prediction for the next uh, two years? No, go ahead. I'm not cutting this out. Patriots. Uh, oh, boo. I'm over this Barf. show already. Sorry. Yeah. Did you have a team that could beat us? Uh, no. I mean, Mike, I don't want to I don't want to break it to you, but if you're black and you like the Patriots, you just hate black people. <laughs> 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 Let's see. I'm, wow. I'm sorry. I'm sorry to break it to you. Nine tenths of the Patriots are black. <laughs> Thanks, sellouts. <laughs> you know what's funny? It always reminds me of uh, that scene from uh, from the movie where they said you had to. All the black people had to be the wall. It, it's Terrence and Howard. Ah, oh, what is the name of it? South Park. South Park? What? Yes. Did you ever see the South Park movie? Oh, the bigger, longer uncut? Yes. Yeah, yes. Yes, I so have. So there's a scene where they were talking about Operation Darkie. Oh, oh God. <laughs> oh, wow. Operation Darkie is basically having all of the black people being in front of all of the white people. Yes. And if you all look the at military. the military. And if you look at a majority of the O-line, it's Operation Darkie. Oh, God. And you support that. I don't support Listen, mm. I support the winning. I just support <laughs> it. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So. The winning is a byproduct of the black men that have been lost on that offensive line over the years. It's all about preserving the dignity of the win. <laughs> I, I thought you were going to say preserving the dignity of the MAGA. I was no. like, okay. okay. <laughs> Listen, the, what the, I'm, I'm going to probably get uh, Make Patriots Great Again once... Brady retires. Oh God! Oh, oh. anyway, you, I'm going I'm to mute you, Lam. Oh, I can I can actually <laughs> mute Lamarique. Hold Can on, you? I'm going to mute Lamarique for a second. Okay, Lamarique's muted. So the third, the fourth person in our podcast is uh, a semi-regular co-host, Marcus Show and Mad Love Robinson. And, and I'm watching the Wizards get uh, slapped by Golden State. They're down by 13 and third. I know they're going to lose by like 33. So I'm actually, I just put that on too. 
No, I can't look at this shit, man. This man shit. I got to figure out how to bring Lamarique back on. Hold on. Oh, my <laughs> God. Jesus. I'm going to have to kick him off the call for a second and call him back. That sucks. <laughs> He's going to be mad you, as hell. You didn't know how to unmute him? I guess this is podcasting, what, 103? Uh, <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Hey, Lam, I kicked you off because yeah. I couldn't unmute you. I'm sorry. There, I was... My apologies for that, but it's like get out. <laughs> <laughs> that's a first in hyphenation history. I kicked somebody off the show. That's that was pretty cool. You now hold that distinctive honor there. I know, and you now have more power than you should ever wield. <laughs> <laughs> so we're here now that Mike is done uh, slobbing the Patriots. Hopefully, he's done. Once that um, sixth ring comes in, uh, who cares? I don't really, uh, but I just love making fun of other teams. I'm not, I'm not going to watch the Super Bowl this year, actually. I, in well, all in all fairness, I haven't watched a whole quarter of football this game this year. I've watched scenes because I've been flicking through the channels, and I'm like, oh hey, uh, we're winning. Um, but I haven't really sat down to watch a game. Mm-hmm. And uh, I don't feel bad. Don't feel good bad. for you. I've been, I, I watched I watched NFL since like 1990, and this is like the least I've ever watched NFL. Like I haven't watched, I haven't like watched a full game yet. Like the only quarter I watched was like um, Ram Saints, and that was because like there was I was bored as fuck. <laughs> like like that's legit the only reason why I watched it. But um, but yeah. I mean, my team is the the Washington racial slur, so like their season was terrible. I knew they wouldn't have a good season, so I like I booted myself from that season. Oh, that's Angels team too, actually. I'm sorry yeah, to hear that. I'm I very... know, I know, <laughs> it is. But you know what? We I'm I'm not a I'm not a bandwagon jumper. I stick with I stick with what I like. Oh, but wait! If you do, I got a team for you. Um, it would never be the Patriots, so never you don't have to worry never. about that. Once never. that six three comes on, it's gonna be like <laughs> Thanos. It starts snapping, and all of the <sighs> all of all the, the MAGA hats, all the MAGA hats, gonna fall from the sky. <laughs> oh God! <laughs> all, all the wall, the wall's gonna. The you wall's collect gonna the five. If you collect the five MAGA Infinity Stones, the wall will be built. <laughs> Mm. And, and this is them on good behavior, Angel. Because oh. I, I called them first to kind of let them get out of their system what they may say. <laughs> that's, that's, that's probably I, a good plan. That's I have to plan. say that I haven't had alcohol in like three weeks. So I'm on a remission and that could be terrible. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my. So we're here to talk about a movie that we've all seen now. That I got chastised for because I hadn't seen it last time we got together. We've all seen Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse. Yeah. Yes. So we're here to talk about it. And as always, as he's always prone to do, I almost make him do it now. I'm just like, hey, get the topics ready. Marcus has composed a list of questions involving the film for us all to discuss. Now, of course, since there's four of us, we will take as much turns as possible so that we're not here all night. But uh, Marcus, if you want to go ahead and take it away, man, if if uh, we don't want to talk about football anymore, because I don't. <laughs> number, <laughs> number one oh, pick. I mean, you don't have to talk about it anymore. Your team's not in. 
I know. Shout out to John Gruden for that. Um, yeah, uh, Marcus, uh, let's direct that first question to Angel, who's joining a roundtable for the first time about Into the Spider-Verse, man. Uh, you read my mind, buddy. So so basically, yeah, I did come up with questions to look at not only uh, Into the Spider-Verse, but also just reflecting on the other Spider-Man movies. Um, now, for Angel, you know, you can chime in for the other questions, but, you know, we definitely would love to hear your opinions on all these as much as possible. Um, so the first question is, um, for me personally, like, whenever I heard Into the Spider-Verse movie was coming out, like, in all honesty, I wasn't someone who was thrilled to see it or even even really wanted to see it, in all honesty. I think promotion for the movie was pretty lackadaisical for a better word um i didn't really see many people talking about it before it came out but after it came out i heard a lot of people like really sort of enthused about it um so my first question is going into the movie did you have like any sort of um were you hyped to see the movie at all did you have any expectations for the movie at all uh, to be honest, like going into the movie, I didn't even know what the entire plot line was. Like I didn't, I didn't know anything about it, to be honest. I just knew he wanted to see it. And of course, with his birthday being Tuesday, it was kind of like, oh, let's just all go see it together. If it's, if Aaliyah can see it. And, um, you know, with no preconceived notions, um, I was actually pleasantly surprised because like he said, he'd kind of killed me on comic book movies over the years. <laughs> So uh, I was pleasantly surprised because I thought the, the plot line really brought everything together and, and it was really, it, it was a good storyline. Yeah. So I didn't, I didn't know anything about it at all either. Like I, I barely paid attention to like the advertisements and I like only heard people say that they liked it. So I tried to stay away from it as much as possible. Um, so, so Kellen, so yes. you're, you're probably the biggest Spider-Man like nerd I've ever known in my entire life. That's Did right. You, but I'm, number one. But I'm sure, like the rest of us, like you didn't really hear like much about it going into the movie. Did you have like any expectations for the movie, or were you like expecting it to be like, you know, just something that was either a letdown or something that was like overhyped? Um, going in. You had already hyped me up, so I was I was expecting it to be really good. Because at that point, you'd asked if I'd seen it. And I said no, so my expectations were higher by the time I actually was headed into the movie theater. But initially, when I saw they're doing a Spider-Man, a Spider Verse, like an animated movie, I was like, uh, "What are they doing?" I saw it was Miles, and I'm going to say this right now: I wasn't the biggest fan of Miles over the years because I've been so dedicated to Peter Parker that. When Miles came around and I read Mar Ultimate Comics Spider-Man when they introduced him and everything like that, I was like, oh, it's a cool take, but I don't think it's for me. I was just too much of a purist or just being too stuck up. So I wasn't that big on Miles, and I just thought they were kind of launching Miles's character as an animated version to kind of have a balance so they could use the Miles character um, somehow and then still do Peter Parker in the main movies and MCU stuff. So I wasn't that big, but then I saw the trailer for it initially. Um, like it might have been the teaser trailer, might have been the full trailer. But as soon as I saw that scene where Miles got out the cop car and he's going to school and his dad said, I love you, then Miles didn't say it. And then he hits that loudspeaker, he's like, Say I love you. <laughs> I started laughing because I was just watching on my phone or whatever. And I was like, yo, that looks hilarious. Like that that's my kind of 
humor and as especially as a dad like that's dad humor right there it's like you just embarrass your kid in front of the whole school like that's what dads do sometimes so i was like yeah i totally will check this out uh but by the time i walked into the theater my expectations were super high because of the standard that you and uh, Lamarick had said it was going to be um it was obviously going to be up to my standards but y'all were talking about it might have been the best mo- uh, superhero movie 2018 i was like it came out in December, and we just had Infinity War and Black Panther and everything else, and you're going to tell me it's the best movie of 2018 comic book-wise? So I was definitely ready, and I can say that my expectations were pleasantly met as well. Yes, man. So, Lamarique, so um, I don't – did you did you have, like, anything going into it? And I know whenever we were sort of hinting to it in the chat in, like, our last pod, like, we were, like, really into it. Uh, but did you like know anything going into it as far as like plot wise or did you try to go into it like with a blank slate? Uh, yeah, I knew too much. <laughs> oh, really? <laughs> so um, as soon as there were, let me see, when did I start hearing about it? I started hearing about it really in the summer. Yeah. So oh. in the summer, they started um, throwing around pictures for it and started talking about what was going to happen in it and you know uh kellen being a spider-man fan he'll tell you the whole um spider-verse thing was ridiculous and it happened twice so you know it was a big thing but for me i am a big fan of miles so i was like i hope they're going to have all of Miles in there. I felt Miles was what Peter lost in the comics um, up until recently, though, because Nick Spencer took over and Nick Spencer's doing an amazing job. But um, Miles was what Peter used to be, which was young and energetic and fresh. And it comes off easier because he's a kid. So everything that I see in that, I'm like, I want to see this movie. Didn't know who the bad guys were. Didn't know who was voicing it. I just, I saw the art and I was like, this is crazy. It sucks that it's not real life uh, or, you know, with real people. But, hey, I'm getting a Miles Morales movie. Let's get it. Okay. Well, that's actually a little foreshadowing for the question I was going to ask. So, um, for me personally, I, I love the movie. Like, the... When I was like watching it, I was totally floored. Um, but it's interesting that Mike brought up that he thought it was, he thought it should have been a live action movie. Um, I heard a lot of people on the internet really sort of talk about how they actually had wished that. Um, but I read an article, and it was a guy actually defending that animated movies, animated comic book movies may actually serve better than live action movies. Oh, I um, definitely believe that. Yeah. So I would say, so Angel, so I know you've been dragged to your fair share of, um, to your fair share of, uh, comic book movies. Were you ever into like any animated movies? Like as far as like, um, animated comic book movies at all or animated movies in general? Not really, to be honest. I mean, I'm thinking back to the things that we went to see and I I think a lot of the, the live action stuff, actually, I still wasn't huge fans of just because of, of the, um, like all the extras that are thrown into it. Cause I think a lot of times that it's take, it takes away from the storyline. So mm-hmm. with this animated one, I really actually enjoyed it 
because I felt like it kept the story very simple and the focus wasn't on all these special effects and the extras. It was really keeping you engaged in the storyline. And I think that was, I think, one of the main reasons I enjoyed this because it all kind of came together so simply and, and kept you focused and engaged the entire time. So what you're saying is if Watchmen was animated, it would be a way better movie? <laughs> Probably. Well, I think anything would be an improvement to Watchmen. I'm not going to lie. So, oh. Anything, anything. But the man, they, they, I give them credit for what they did through Watchmen, but it really was a hard sit through if you're not, yeah. if you're not prepared for that. Damn. Yeah, she had no idea about Watchmen going in. No, I thought you bad. loved her, Kelly. Why did you do this? Uh, no, it was bad. It was bad. You, you, uh, actually, you know what? Um, answering, uh, following your question, you know all of those DC animated movies? Imagine yeah. if they came out in theaters, how marginally well they might have done. So I see, you know, animated movies doing well being a thing. All of those DC animated movies are doing decently well. Um, I was going to say something about how, like, for years, and it continues to this day, where where one of the places where Marvel is kind of failing is animated films because they're doing they focus everything on the actual live action films. Mm-hmm. But DC for years has been ruling the animated films realm, and they've been telling their their stories and everything, which is one of the reasons why I was surprised that they didn't. I mean, they didn't even consider, like, if we're going to launch a, a universe that's kind of shared, like, Marvels. I don't know why they didn't trust their animated division to do it more. I know it's not the same, but I think it would have been a cool take for DC to attempt to try to start a shared cinematic universe and do it through their animation studios versus the crap that we got, other aside from Wonder Woman, of course. I mean, um, are you still mad at that, Kelly? Mad at what? Are you still mad at DC for doing what DC does? Uh, no. <laughs> Good, because it's. Gonna I mean, you're crazy. talking to somebody who sat through Green Lantern in the theater, so I mean, that's my own fault. <laughs> me too. Me too. Oh God, that's that was a solo too. trip, by the way. Angel did not accompany me to Green Lantern. <laughs> <laughs> no, what? I did not. She, she, you know what? You might have enjoyed Green Lantern. I read it, honestly, for I only watched it one time in a the theater, and I thought it was fine. I didn't think it was on par with Marvel stuff, but I thought what it was, I thought it was cool for what it was. Yeah, and the thing about it is, it had like no connective tissue in the plot, and the CG was all over the place. But as movies go, it could have been a lot worse. It could have <laughs> been Waterworld. God, I haven't watched Waterworld in ages. I don't know if you really want to do that. That's a that's uh, Art Nouveau now. Uh, I don't think I'm going to revisit it. I was just saying I hadn't watched it in ages. <laughs> <laughs> all right. So, uh, thinking back to the Spider Verse, um, well, we, I think we're all unanimous that the, I think we're all unanimous that the movie was pretty great and that yeah. storytelling yeah. and everything along with it was, you know, really, really phenomenal. But, Kellen, what was specifically like? One thing that you can point to to say that that was your favorite part of the actual movie. Um, God. Spoiler alert! Spoiler alert for anybody. Uh, spoiler, spoilers! Yes, yes. If you made it this far, there will be spoilers, spoilers. just in case. Like, ah, I went to listen to this podcast, but you just ruined the whole film. No, there's spoilers. Mm-hmm. So, my favorite part of the movie. God, 
You know what was one of my favorite parts was when Miles goes to see his Uncle Aaron, and they're just kicking it. And it's early in the film. It's before the big reveal later that he's Prowler. Um, there's apparently Easter eggs in the scene at Aaron's apartment that reveal that he's Prowler that I'd missed, um, that I found out from a YouTube video. But, I mean, I already knew, obviously, going into that Aaron was Prowler. Angel did not know that. Um, I did not know either. I didn't know either. So, yeah, actually, I'm going to flip this back to you as soon as I answer. But I really enjoyed that. Even though it was a brief time that we saw the relationship on screen, seeing that chemistry between Miles and his uncle really just kind of warmed my heart to see that, yeah, Miles had his parents in his life, but he also had his uncle Aaron who he could go to and kind of be more of himself and kind of be outside the box and not in his strict uh, student or child um, role that he plays normally. And Uncle Aaron kind of let him spread his wings a little bit. Um, so I, I definitely think that was the highlight of my movie, but I do want to flip it back at you and Angel Marcus and just see what y'all's re- um, reactions were when Uncle Aaron took off that mask and y'all realized he was Prowler. I'm Thomas DJ, top professional. I'm Scott McGregor, talented amateur. And we'd like to invite you to join us for our journey through every adventure of the Avengers. No, not that Avengers. You won't find any tights, magic hammers, or fancy shields here. We'll find some supervillains and some hot women in tight leather, so there is that. And champagne. Oh, yeah, lots of champagne. With Umbrella, Charm, and Bowler, that other Avengers podcast, covering the seminal spy series that lasted from 1961 to 1969 on an episode-by-episode basis. Join us as we explore the television series that helped shape pop culture and made an icon out of Diana Rigg, Honor Blackman, and Patrick Dean. With Umbrella, Charm, and Bowler. That other Avengers podcast coming straight towards you every month only on the two true freaks podcast network uh, I was fucking shook <laughs> <laughs> uh, I don't know I think I think for me I, I was I was completely in shock because like having no, like no knowledge of it before it was um, the connection when it was made I was just I was floored because I, I didn't see that coming and then of course with being the emotion that came out of that then when he was was killed and and watching you know miles dealing with that that was i mean for being an animated movie a lot of times we we don't think that there's going to be a lot of emotion pulled into it because you know animation is just a little bit different but i feel like that was just such a a pivotal pivotal moment that i was just like i said i was completely in shock mm-hmm. yeah so i was like i was definitely shocked by it and i had equal shock when it wasn't necessarily a surprise, but I still had shock when um, Prowler died in Miles's arms. Man, so. Kingpin was so ruthless in this movie. Like, it's one of the best yeah. portrayals of Kingpin I've ever seen in media, and I really like Daredevil's Kingpin. Yeah, uh, one of the best Netflix. Kingpins. Yeah. So when it, whenever he died, and you know Miles is crying, and then he has to go invisible to like duck his dad or whatever, like. Like that shit was like really, really some moving piece of filmmaking, mm-hmm. and I think that's that's sort of my favorite part of the movie, where it's like, I think Angel was really right. I think that not only the characters were really developed in these really sort of fascinating ways. Like I just think the, the actors in general, like they all did a really good job. Um, Mahershala Ali, like he was Prowler. Yes. Um, Brian Tyree Henry from Atlanta, like he was Miles' dad. Oh, I'm gonna yeah. put that up. I knew I recognized that voice. <laughs> yeah. So I mean, these are like two of the generations, like 
I mean, they're like probably some of our best actors and they're taking their talents to the voice work and it's still, they're still doing this like really great job. So so yeah, I think the actors coming together for their voice work and along with the story they've actually been given, I think that's my favorite aspect of the movie. Um, Mike, what would you say is your favorite aspect of, of the movie? Um, so because because I read the comics like uh, Kellen did, I knew who Prowler was. But to me, one of the things that I I really enjoyed were how malicious and evil some of the characters were. Prowler was terrifying in the theaters yes. when he was chasing Spider-Man. Terrifying. And it could be because of the sound cue that they were using for him. But it was just too. It, excuse me. It wasn't too much, but it was. An, it was. It was pretty damn awesome. Yeah. Um, but I think uh, the when you find out that that professor is Doctor Octopus, that surprised me. I didn't see it coming, and there were so many visual clues to it too that I missed. Yeah, I didn't see that one either. <laughs> that was the. That to me was the best, and it was hilarious. Like, she, I don't know who was the actress that did her, but... It was Catherine Hahn. And another character who was terrifying on screen. Like, she was... uh, It was a lot. Yeah. And will this work? Oh, I'm sorry. I'm trying to um, get some images off my camera, and I don't have my other camera... Which connect? You know what? Just ignore it. <laughs> um, before we go on, though, um, Marcus, you said this is your first experience with Miles, correct? Yeah. Um, Angel and Marcus, what did y'all think of Miles Morales Spider-Man? Angel, you uh, go first. <laughs> well, I, I, I liked the the different take because, like, uh, for me, this was uh, one of the things I liked best about the movie was seeing all the different uh, versions of Spider-Man. So I liked that this newer version was completely different. I felt like, you know, with having this really young kid who was, you know, his life was, you know, he was trying to focus on school and he wasn't really feeling how, how everything was going for him. And, and I, I just liked the connection that he had with his mom and dad. And I don't know. I just liked the difference when I saw him and, and compared him to all the other different versions of Spider-Man. I felt like he um, was able to then grow as a character too and mature through the experiences he was having with these other, you know, versions of Spider-Man. Yeah. I mean, I think that, I think, I mean, I see sort of a lot of myself and who the Miles character actually is. Like, I mean, this is a kid who, He's growing up, but he's pretty uncomfortable with himself, as a lot of, like, young teenagers are. And he's really trying to find himself and, like, you know, find out who he actually is. And then he stumbles upon this sort of, you know, this new power and then that brings a a world of, you know, self-doubt and questioning and... I think the I think the it's just one movie, but I think they developed this character like really, really well. And in a lot of ways, I mean, I think they developed the Miles character in this one movie better than they've done a lot of Spider Man and like these different Spider Man movies or whatever. So I, I think the that. I think the Miles character, um, I think they, they handled it extremely well. Nice. 
Um, yeah, like, like I said, um, to follow up on what you said, Marcus, about seeing yourself in the character, I know we talked a lot about when we did the Black Panther episode about it being awesome for um, for kids of color to be able to see uh, T'Challa and Killmonger even, to see them in that superhero, supervillain role and be like, hey, they look like me on that screen. And that's something that I thought that Black Panther nailed as far as the appeal of the movie. But um, with, as I know Black Panther has a costume that covers up his whole face and everything, and you can kind of imagine yourself being that character. But with the Miles character, um, and something that I never related to with Miles before, but then seeing him literally learning the powers and, and trying to find his way as Spider-Man and everything, I was like, like that was the daydream that I would always have in my head as a kid, as a Spider-Man fan, though. It's like, it's like I'm just this middle schooler, uh, early high schooler who's trying to kind of put everything together. And I just, oh, I just happen to have spider powers. So I really appreciated that fact and that aspect in the movie that I could see myself in Miles. And it was the first time I ever took that angle as far as that character goes. And also yeah. the costume's hella dope. I really like the Spider-Verse costume of Miles better than the Ultimate Spider-Man version. The graffiti is just the perfect touch in the Jordan ones. I mean, that's because of the storyline. Because, you know, no shield is helping support him. So, mm-hmm. you know, he's not getting a fancy black costume. He had to spray paint Spider-Man's old suit. Yeah. Mm. What, um, so, Mike, what do you specifically, what do you think about the Miles character in this movie? Do you think uh, he was handled right? I th- I mean from com- there is only a few things that are changed from the comic book to the movie and mainly to keep things rolling without having way too many things involved and the way the ultimate comics um the ultimate comics universe is it's its own world anyway and it's and because it's a Sony picture, still a separate world. It's not using Shield or any of that property, so that makes sense. Um, I think one of the things that connected with me is again Miles being young. I'm a I'm a big Spider-Man fan. I don't know if I can sling webs with Kellen on on uh, how big, but <laughs> being young and making stupid choices was always a Spider-Man thing, mm-hmm. and. And with with him, you get to see that again. But in his, he also has a few other, you know, because he's a uh, a kid of color. He has, and he's also in a bad part of town. He has so many more things that are happening around him. And, and as and as he develops and as he grows to be a hero. You know, that's that's the things you want to see, his choices and the consequences that happen. Yeah, he wants to be the good guy, but how is he going to be a good guy when he has to still be a regular person and still be a boyfriend and still have love interest and still try to keep a roof over his head? And, uh, you know, the later things that happen to his family um, in the comics, it's a lot, but it's also some of the things that we go through. So... I think bouncing what happens in my life and the questions that I went through when I was, you know, 13, 14, waking up and all of a sudden I'm a bit taller and my clothes are a bit shorter and uh, (laughs) the things that are happening to him and, you know, they kind of mirror mirror my life. Yeah, man. I mean, like I said before, like, I think we definitely 
you know, have that awkward stage of where we really are trying to figure out who we are and like what the world is. And so I think they I think they did that really, really well. Um, Angel. So you have your your fingers on the pulse of the youth of West Virginia. Um, <laughs> oh, real. Yeah, how, like that. <laughs> so for the kids that you teach and that you see in your school, um, I'm assuming that they're continuing the trend of awkwardness in their teenage years. Um, always, always. But do you see, I think over the last couple of years, um, I guess sort of the big bang theory of, I guess, kind of quote unquote nerd culture. Um, do you, have you seen that like really prevalent in schools? Like, have you seen kids like sort of more embracing like comics and comic book movies and like stuff like that? Or is it still pretty like, um, Niche? Not, not necessarily like underground, but just unconventional in the, in the, in the sense. Uh, I think it's definitely still unconventional. Like you don't see, I mean, the embrace as well as a, as a larger group. I don't think uh, there's definitely still a selective group that you will find in the comic books and into, you know, all the comic book characters and the movies that come out, but you don't see it coming out as, um, as much as I thought it would. I mean, I see an embrace more from um, like, I noticed like our public library and stuff is starting to do like online availability of comic books and stuff to try to get kids to continue to be interested in, in different forms of reading um, and the graphic novels, of course, things like that. But as for like specifically comic book characters and, and especially the traditional ones, you're not seeing, I don't think we're seeing as big a group as I would have said we would have seen 10 years ago. Really? That's surprising. Yeah, I know. And I, I thought it would actually grow, especially with the movies kind of generating that pop culture. And you're yeah. not, you're not seeing, especially, well, and maybe it's just the middle school age group that I have, but with everything changing and like, I mean, my kids continuously looking for the next big thing between like, you know, Fortnite and the fallouts and moving on with those different kinds of concepts, as opposed to, you know, the whole traditional comic book and the storyline you don't get to see those groups like like I, I would have seen 10 years ago. I mean, I think that kind of huh. makes sense to me because gaming is super sophisticated as opposed to like when we were kids, but like people just aren't reading paper anymore. So, right. I mean, that, that kind of makes sense. Yeah. And it's so sad. So yeah. sad. It is. It is. It's a shift in culture. It definitely is. But, I mean maybe I'm a terrible person because I've forced my son to read all of this stuff and I have manga and comic books that he reads, <laughs> but there's still, a ch there's still a chance. And for me, like I could be, I was more of a nerd when I was younger and became a geek in high school. <laughs> um, so like nerd being more bookish and geek being more about, you know, subcultures. Um, so for, I think there's like that time when they start being more independent in high school and they start to, you know, read things on their own. Maybe there's still time for them. There's still time for the youth. 
I, I think so too. I, I, I agree on that. I think there's definitely still time. And I think you see a shift in high school as they discover more things as, as well that they're interested in. So there could be a change more at the high school level. It's just middle schoolers are so wrapped up in um, wanting to fit in and wanting to belong. So when one craze starts, they tend to gravitate towards it so that they feel like they're included and, and, and part of the group. Before we uh, go on, I do want to say that Mike, you said that you've been trying to expose your son to the stuff that you love. Well, not trying. You have. You've been making him forcibly. He's me again. Gotcha. (laughs) Um, I, too, since Leah has been born, I've been trying to introduce her to things that I love. And when she's real young, she, like, could identify the Avengers and stuff. And um, as she's gotten older, she's branching to her own things that she's into and stuff. And I, and I enjoy those things with her. But she actually went with us to go see Spider-Verse because um, uh, it was like a surprise for her because uh, her, her gymnastics class got canceled. Oh, no. So, yeah, so she went with us. And the only thing we had to cover was when Kingpin did it, uh, original Spider-Man. I was like, I can't. I mean, even though he didn't show anything, I was like, I can't. I mean, she, we obviously said he, the original died. But I didn't want her to see that killing blow, so I blocked her with the popcorn. <laughs> and uh, but we were like, this movie's actually made me like Post Malone because I actually like a Post Malone song now because he's on it for five uh-huh. seconds. Yeah. Um, but Aaliyah really likes that song too because Miles sings it in the movie, and she had said coming out of it, she's like, I really like that movie. I really enjoyed it. And we had just taken her to see The Grinch like three weeks ago or something, and she said she liked it. Oh, but she like she was maybe it was me, Angel, but I, it didn't seem like to me that she was ex- as excited about having seen the Grinch as she was after coming out to see Spider-Man. Oh, yeah, I think she definitely liked Spider-Man better. But like I said, the storyline in Spider-Man was so engaging that even for her, who the attention span is just non-existent at four. I mean, mm-hmm. she just everything caught her attention and she was really, I mean, she was invested in the characters. She wanted to know more. And I think she would have loved to know more about each of them individually too, yeah. just because it was kind of fresh and new to her. Cause she had no clue, which was, it was still kind of fresh and new to me. Cause I didn't know all the different ones too, but I think that's what that proves that it's a fantastic storyline. Cause it, 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 it's a catch all for all ages from her, yeah. you know, to adults. So I think that that really shows something too. And I'm sorry, Marcus, but I was just going to wrap up real quick. But I've been playing, letting her watch the Sunflower music video on my phone and stuff because it shows scenes from the movie and Miles is singing it. And I was, we were on the way to pre-K this morning and I, I let her hold the phone and she's watching it. And then I was like, Leah, did you really like Spider-Verse? And she's like, I really loved it. I cannot wait until it comes out so we can watch it again. I really, really love that movie. And like the Spider-Man fan in me was like, I was like, I wanted to cry a little bit because it's like you always want to pass these things along to your kids. And even if it's the only Spider-Man thing she ever likes or she might hate it by the time she's eight. But I mean, in this moment, like the fact that she loves the Spider-Man thing as much as I did, it just blows my mind. It just makes me so happy. That's great, man. Gotta hold on to those moments, man. They're special. <laughs> you ain't lying, bro. All right. So quick question. I'm going to ask this is a super quick answer. So okay. start off with. Start with Angel. Angel, who was your favorite character from the movie? I don't know. I, I have to say, I mean, I know the the story, you know, revolved around Miles, but I must say I really liked Miles. Like I said, that was just his storyline drew me in. And like you said, there were a lot of relatable characteristics 
of him growing up and, and, you know, making the, the poor choices and then realizing what he needed to do to help others. So I really like Miles. Yeah, for the same reason, I'm going to say Miles, too. Uh, Mike, who was your favorite character? Spider-Gwen. Spider-Gwen, yes. Uh, uh, Kellen, who's your favorite one? Um, this movie made me more appreciative of Miles, but I've been pro Spider-Gwen since the first time I seen the artwork with her and everything, and I learned the backstory, and I was, I'm... All in on Spider Gwen, man. So her being included in this film, and then the way they introduced her, and her being such a vital part to the whole story. I'm also with Mike that uh, Ghost Spider or Spider Woman or Spider Gwen, whatever you want to call her, uh, she's my favorite character. Ooh, yeah, I got a little something, a little something I want to sing about. So I'm gonna do it now. Ooh. See, Hyphen Podcast Group has got a Patreon. And see, me and my partners, we try to stay on. Try to pay some website bills. And we really appreciate it if you would just donate a little something, something. Just a little something, something every month. Mm-hmm. Cause if you go to patreon.com slash hyphen podcast group, you can get your donate on and you can get rewarded too. Mm-hmm. So make sure that if you're feeling generous, that you reach in, reach in, reach in your pockets and Go to our Patreon. Ooh, yeah. One more time. I'ma say it. I'ma say it one more time. It's patreon.com slash hyphen podcast group. And you can get your donate on. Get your donate on. Get your donate on. We appreciate it and it keeps the lights on and the sight on and then we don't go down in the middle of the month. Woo woo woo. Yeah. Thank you ladies and gentlemen. I'm leaving the building because they're kicking me out. Get away from me, sad man. I was nice. You're crazy. Yeah. Well, one of the things I liked about like her being in it was that it wasn't just, oh, hey, here's a girl character. Yeah. She was useful. She was strong in her own way. Intelligent. Yeah. And didn't need saving. I have a daughter. That's what I want her to see. 100%, man. Yep. I agree. I agree. Nice, man. Nice. It's the reason I get so mad at these old Disney movies sometimes, like Ariel. <laughs> Yeah. Oh, don't start. You don't even have time for this conversation. Don't even. Oh, I got time. I'm here for it. Anytime. No. no. Daughter's no dad's time Disney. For that. Daughter's dad's and Disney's and mom. You <laughs> <laughs> uh, wait, 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 wait. You know what though? She might be uh jaded because she was a Disney princess that uh waited for her prince for decades. And then the newer princesses are like, you know what, fuck that. We'll go out there and take the world on. Yeah, pretty much. That- and I like the evolution of that. I must say, I do like the evolution of that. <laughs> Creating strong, independent women. I did tear up at the end of Moana while I was eating dinner tonight. 
Bruh. Oh, I love Boana. I do. You know what actually is really sad if you really think about it? Lilo and Stitch. Oh, oh I like Lilo and Stitch. Oh, yeah. Lilo and Stitch is two orphaned kids trying to take care of each other. And they get into regular fights because uh, because there's the dynamics with uh, dynamic issues that they're having. You know, yeah, because you can't is, get past being sisters. Yeah, not you can't get past being sisters. And Nani's trying to, and Nani every now and then tries to replace being her mom. Yeah, and also Nani is a growing woman, so she has other things that are going on around her, and it's a lot. I, t- I told y'all that me and my friend Ed were, had to run out of a dorm when we were watching it, man, because we were both tearing up and trying to be all hard. Like, Shout oh, out to like, Big Money Ed. <laughs> Big Money Ed. Big Money Ed. I'll let you guys talk amongst you know, the... Oh, speaking of... Actually, going back to a question... You haven't seen Lilo and Stitch, have you, Marcus? Oh, oh hell no. So... Oh, a super quick... A, a, a super quick wow. sidebar. A super quick sidebar, because... We were talking earlier about if um, the comic books will be comic book movies will be better animated or live action. What do y'all think about this live action Lion King? Because I'm out of it. I don't want to have any parts of that shit. I don't know. I, I got mixed feelings about yeah, that. Angel thinks, yeah. I do because I love Lion King. Like it was one of my favorite Disney's, and then now it's kind of like I don't know if you can do it this way. I, I don't see it. I don't see it panning out to to really be authentic to the story being told this live action version or whatever. I don't know. I feel like for the longest time we were getting comic book movies animated. And now we're getting really good ones that are coming out live action. Mm -hmm. And I think there's space to do both. And I think the buffer is actually these online streaming services that can allow for uh, either medium to actually be able to tell the stories. And um, I think it all also all depends on the story. When you have some of them that are super fantastic, like, um, like Sentry, you may want to do it animated because the things that he does are just too much. Superman can break it down to, you know, an everyman level. And part of it is most of the people he's going against are everyday people. So I have a question. Yeah. What what question did you just answer? I, <laughs> I thought we were talking about, like, do we want live action or do we want animated? And I was like, eh, I kind of feel you like... You were close. Today. We were talking about live action Disney versus animated Disney. Oh, that. Oh, you know what? <laughs> that was a good answer, though. Yo, how's your editing skills feeling? No, that's no, no, you gotta leave that's that in. in. Nah, nah, that was the most confused I've ever sounded on anything. But um, <laughs> well, I'm leaving it in. Live action Disney, and I think there, you said... He was asked about live action Lion King. Marcus yeah, is out, Angel's not. Specifically live action Lion King, and yeah. I am not for it. Oh, wow, okay. I I would have liked if they did like an actually no I wouldn't have liked if they redid an animated version of Lion King either. I I think some of these stories should stay in the mode that they were and shouldn't just be redone and you know just for a cash grab as it feels sometimes. I think it just it was unnecessary. 
Yeah. Um, my experience oh. with the live action Disney movies, um, I really liked the live action Cinderella. I thought that was good. I could leave Beauty and the Beast. Um, oh, I love Beauty and the Beast. I, I, man, no, Hermione, Hermione didn't do it for me, man. What about oh, Dumbo? I, I didn't do it. it. I loved it. Um, what was what else came out live action? Uh, Dumbo's Disney. coming, man. Dumbo is coming. Dumbo's coming. Oh, I I kind of want to see that. Terrible. It was terrible. I kind of want to see it though. Um, shoot, what else uh, came out? I haven't seen the Jungle Book. I didn't see that one. There's another live action one. No. It came out not that long ago. Besides, it's not coming to me. Wait, but, there were like two Jungle Books, weren't there? There's a Mowgli one that came out on Netflix, I think. Yeah, or or excuse me, three because you're right. There's the Netflix one. There's um. Can you stop talking like under? It's <laughs> ridiculous. Oh, man, can you shut up, boy? Jeez. I know, right? Like, can you shut up? Get out of here. You man, have your own room. Get out. He wants your interest. You made him read all these comic books and know, give right? stuff, and he's just like, "Hey, Dad!" And you're like, "Get out! Yes. Go make me a sandwich." No, go make your sister a sandwich. I've said many times. Go make me. That's a good brother. Yeah, rather him be a good brother than a better son. Yeah. <laughs> True thing. Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh, have, speaking of, have you uh, told Angel about the curse? Which curse? The curse that we've been putting on you for the past week. Oh, shut up. Oh, okay. Oh, no. What is this? What is this? We've been cursing Kellen with dopeness. With greatness. <laughs> okay, there's got to be more to it than that. Go ahead. Oh, there, there would be more to it once it happens. Oh, <laughs> so, it, so nothing's happened yet? They, they want Aaliyah to have a sibling. Oh, uh, see why? Well, not Mark. That would be Eric and that. Eric and Mike who's saying it. I don't even think it's Eric. I think it's mostly you, Mike. I'm always uh, pushing for something bad. Did you tell him that, uh, like, that our lives have been like scheduled, and that when the window closed, that that's like no longer an option at this point? I I didn't even get to get into all that before he started. Uh, okay. Have you me. have you told her about how I have radiant positivity? <laughs> no, I, I have not told her that. Damn, where were we? So, uh, oh, Lion King. King. <laughs> I, I want to see Lion King because I, I support Donald Glover. So, I don't know if I'll see the film. Blowjobs to Lion King is what uh, I'm, it's I'm Just I'm, like that. Next I just, topic. Yeah. Um, I mean, we don't uh, want to talk about okay. the incestuous part of Lion King, but don't. Oh, wow. True about Nala being his cousin? sister or cousin. cousin. Yeah. Is what? Hold on, hold on, what? Yeah, they'd be cousins, right? Because it would be, yeah, they'd be cousins, right? Well, well that's the thing. So, Scar's kids, Robbie's sister. Scar's kids weren't at Pride Landing; they were somewhere else. Yeah. But, uh, so actually, no, you're right. It would be because uh, that's um, that's his cousin. Yeah. Hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. Nala is Simba's cousin. Yes. Yeah. How? They just have different moms. Because Sarabi and the, the moms are sisters. Sarabi and whatever Nala's mom's name is. I don't remember what it is. Do people know this? I had no fucking clue yes. about this. Yes, yeah, they do. it's kind of been heavy. I mean, if you put two and two together, if you've watched enough times, which you might not have, considering you've never watched Lilo and Stitch, you probably only watched Lion King like once when you said. 
Um, <laughs> you may have never put that together in your adult life that, yeah, that's probably a close family member of Simba's that he procreates with. Carol, I'll, I'll let you know in the secret. I had the VHS for Lion King. I probably watched Lion King in my life. I would say at least like five times, but the VHS I taped over with professional wrestling. Oh, so, nice. So, oh, yeah. Then your excuse. Not nice. That is not nice. Yeah, Amen. no, my, my wife would That's kill you. If you like that. All right. So, so we can, we had the major sidetracks. So, a little bit. So, yeah, a little bit. So, well, Kellen, so. You guys anywhere. I know. So, well, well, does Angel, I know Angel, she was on a sort of a time limit because she does have to peace out soon. Do you have a bad time? I have to, I have to be at school at seven tomorrow, so. Oh, oh no. So, okay, so I get, well, well, we'll give you the floor to give you, you know, a couple, a minute or two or more. Uh, do you want to leave us with any sort of final words with Into the Spider, about Into the Spider-Verse or just like anything in general for comic movies? Um, well, I definitely think, you know, people who, who are like me who'd gotten to the point where you felt like uh, there'd been a lot of these things come out and, you know, that it, it was kind of starting to get old a little bit. I definitely think this was a fresh um, take on, you know, the traditional comic book, combining the different versions and, um, you know, having this smooth sailing story. I, I think it, it would I would directly I would recommend almost anybody to see this because I think everybody would enjoy it. So um, I think overall that. The, the movie was well made, and I think the choices for um, the, those who voiced um, in the movie were actually really, really good, because I think that helped the characters shine, too. Yes. And thank you very much, Angel, for joining us. We we definitely appreciate the, the intelligent, funny female perspective, so thank you for hanging out with us. I, I got one more question before she goes. Yeah. Okay, she's seen... The original Sam Raimi Spider-Man movie, Spider-Man One, Two, and yes. Three. Oh gosh, yes. how would you compare this to those movies? Like, if you re- remember, so Spider-Man One is Green Goblin, Spider-Man Two is Octopus, Spider-Man yes. Three is Venom, and then Into the Spider-Verse. Where would you rank um, each of those films? If or just which would you pick as your favorite? If you can't rank all four of them. Well, you see, I don't know, because I feel like uh, the End of the Spider-Verse is like a completely different category to me. Like when you're trying to rank those those four things, like there's the, the plot line is so different because it's it's involving, you know, so many different dynamics. Um, I would probably I still personally out of all those, my favorite is probably the second one, Spider-Man 2. It's a lot uh, I really say. liked the Doc Ock. I, I, I did. I like the storyline behind it. I did. Gotcha. I don't know. Good choice. The other one. Yeah, I mean, probably into the Spider Verse. I would say would be my second. I'd say that's fair. Um, fair in your ranking because one, one had its moments, but that's more nostalgia for me now. And three was just a hot ass mess. Yeah, I wasn't a huge fan of three. I feel like one was good because it set the stage and everything, but like three, I don't know. I just got to the point where I was like, uh, uh-uh. I wasn't as into it. It didn't keep me in- in focused. Yeah. Okay. All right. Well, any do you have any random words of wisdom you want to leave the people with? And uh, we'll let you get off here. Oh, wait, 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 wait. While you're thinking of the words of wisdom, I got a question for you. Okay. Okay. Do you, well, how do you feel about the California teacher strike? Yeah, listen, I was thinking. How, did, how do I feel about what? The California teacher strike. 
Well, after seeing the news and everything, man, well, I, I stand behind him 100%, first of all. Let me tell you, there's change does not happen without, you know, the people standing behind it. And I think what they're doing is amazing. It's hard to stand up to people who have no idea, you know, what your job really entails and why you deserve the respect that you do. So I have much, much love for, for California and for, for the other states who stood up and done the same thing. Um, it, it takes a lot of guts to, to walk out of the classroom because one, you're walking out, you know, not on your students, but for your students, but it's hard anyway, because you know, you feel like you're not giving them everything that you should be because you're not there for them. So it's a hard decision from the beginning to do that, but gosh, I hope they do get, you know, all the things that they deserve too, because we're still in the fight this year for, for what we thought we were dealing with last year. So I know that their, their struggle may be maybe a long struggle, just like we're dealing with too. So I, I pray that they get better results and quicker results than what we had. All right. Good question, Mike. Yes. You know, you got to hilariously find a way to make it work. You got to <laughs> make it make sense. I think a, a final words of wisdom, you know, since we've been focusing on, on Spider-Man and just tying that all together with great power comes great responsibility oh, and hey, so hey, that, hey. they were avoiding yeah. saying that throughout the movie hey they were they were but i feel like there's there's so many great tie-ins that it actually could have been used for but mm -hmm. i i think i think it, it, it's showcased though throughout i think through the different characters too and 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 kind of passing the buck and deciding who who will be the you know the final one who who completes the mission i think that that's showcased there Mm -hmm. But that ties in with the teacher strike, too, because the legislators now, sadly, are using the power and not realizing the great responsibility they have. So I think only time will tell there. Beauty and brains, ladies and gentlemen. Good job. And yeah. she's all mine. So back off. Ha, ha, ha. <laughs> well, it was nice talking with you guys this evening. I'm going to get ready for my bedtime. And since I got to be up at six o'clock. Good luck. And have a good night. Thank you. Bye. Bye. Can't take y'all anywhere, man. We gotta have her on for the Terminator 2 round table. The Terminator 2 round? I didn't know we were doing the Terminator 2 round. You mean just have her on again with you guys? Uh, I don't know. Maybe. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> Floating that oh, wow. God, I don't know, Kelly. You may have always, to... Listen, it's always good to have a little bit of estrogen around. Kelly, you may have to get her and like one of her teacher buddies to come up with like a like a teacher pod or something. For real. That would be that'd be good, man. Because she's she's a great uh great speaker, man. And uh, as, as y'all heard from previous pods, Anson Knight, man. Like she's got her she knows her shit, man. Mm -hmm. I would love to get her to do a pod, but she just does so much at school already and then so, with um with so the way and everything, she's like so done by the end of the night. You know what I just remembered? I think you had said that you two had met after you settled down from rapping or did she oh. you during rap no she was she was there for the whole rap phase man wow yeah she she was there for the rap phase yeah can you just like just give her awards every year be like, for being down for everything um mike said you deserve rewards for being down through the rap era <laughs> <laughs> she was like yeah i was there she was my biggest fan my biggest supporter she had a good time, she said. Oh, okay. I was going to say, you know the pod is still active, right? I know the pod's still going. <laughs> I will edit out the kiss and everything. God. No, no, no. If we're going to have me confused 
Kiss <laughs> you were so confused. It was hilarious. You were like, uh, uh, animation, comic books, and yo, listen, I <laughs> it was all MJ's fault. He came in and completely blew out everything I had. Leave that poor boy alone. <sighs> you know, you have that as, cheeky for you as a parent, you have that as your fallback to blame the child. There's a blame the child button installed in us. I might have to adopt the kid for the second kid the way you're going. <laughs> uh, not, I, I didn't do nothing. God, so so where do we want to pick back up at, guys? We covered a lot, actually. It's me, it's me, it's M-A-P. What up? It's your boy Miles. I'm a day's prowler. I black man podcast. Here to tell you. First off, if you're here, you ought to be listening to some quality shit. But you already know that because you ain't no noob. Kev, what you on right now, man? What's this, what's this like the 15th installment of your pie series? He's been at this for a minute. It's at the point now to got the competition. It's like the McDonald's with the uh, with the numbers up on the board. Cows are going to start coming in like just, just turn me into a happy meal. It's inevitable I can see from the profile numbers. You see what I'm at? I'm over here with the Hyphy Podcast group. You know what I'm saying? Over here like Kevin Durant getting rings. But anyway, just know, if you're listening to Hyphy Podcast Nation, first and foremost, you're listening to quality. You're listening to realness, and you listen to a podcast that I'm not going to lie, I sat and listened to and tried to hate, and I couldn't. That's just being real. This is a man who you can wake me up over the drunken stupor, and I can give you five things I hate about any member of my family. <laughs> but I can't find one thing I hate about this podcast. It's good, and it's quality. And it's coming from me, Miles and Madez Proud. Crotch grabbingly great. Miles, I'm a dead proud. Check it out. This is quality stuff. This man shits excellence and pisses perfection. You can take it from me, Maps. Be slow to speak and quick to listen. Take it away, kids. We did. Um, so, all right. So, we can pick up here. So, um, actually, because we actually, let's shuffle these questions around a bit because. You know, before um, Angel left, she gave us her top three. Now we have broken down all of. Well, should I say this for last, Kellen? Because I wrote to save it for last. Should I save it for last? No, we could we could go ahead and do it now. I don't all care. Right, so, all right. So, because when I saw this immediately, that I knew that you know this was a really really good Spider-Man movie, but. I was interested to see for Kellen, where did this movie rank into your all time like all time Spider Man movies? So, so Kellen, you got to give us your your top three. Okay. Your, your Spider Man favorite Spider Man movies. Top three Spider Man films all time. Yeah. I'm gonna go ahead and put. All right, I got. I'm gonna put Spider Man two at three. Because Spider-Man 2 is, a, is the best Raimi film. I have a soft spot for 1 because of it being the first 1. I have a soft spot for 3 because of how bad it is. And, and, and the fact it was the ending of the original trilogy. But I'm going to say Spider-Man 2 is 3. Enter the Spider-Verse is 2. God, I even want to say 1A. I really like this film so much. But... Um, I'm going to go ahead and wrap up and say that number one would still be for me is Homecoming. Just uh, slightly, though. Just slightly. 
Because that's the uh, first time they got everything right in a live-action Spider-Man film. They got Peter Parker right. They got Spider-Man right. They had the right story, the right villain, the right twists and turns, the right action sequences. So I'm going to say Homecoming still number one, but Spider-Verse could eclipse it with a few more viewings, honestly. Okay. I've already seen it twice, and so I know where it stands for me. <laughs> um, but, Mike, what, what is your top three for your uh, Spider-Man movie list? I kind of agree with Kellen uh, for the first two. Spider-Man 2, the reason I I love Spider-Man 2 over all of the others is because of the weight that Spider-Man 2 has. Like, there's just so much like, oh, if you don't save this person's life, they really will die, Peter. And so much that just connects in his life. And um, Spider-Verse is close to overtaking that but i think spider-man homecoming especially because of how the characters play off each other i think that's my uh, that's number three and then uh my number four but could be close to number three was um what's his name the second spider-man garfield yeah andrew garfield that second spider-man was terrible but the first one was good you know what ruined the first Amazing Spider-Man movie for me? Right. Not only did I think that Andrew Garfield was way too cool of a Peter Parker. I mean, I got past that. But you know what ruined it for me was at the end when he's trying to get to the lizard. And all those stupid cranes line up perfectly so he can swing over there. I was like, and he, like I was like, that's the dumbest thing I've ever seen in my life. That really bothered me. To that ruined that whole movie for me. Was that? Well, was it was the whole life. city of New York coming together to help him. Yes, that and, was such a. And true to some of the things in the comics, New York does help Spider-Man sometimes. Right and, and, on and, that and, level. Yeah, it was like, just. There have been so many times where, like, random citizens in New York like carried his body away from a battle so that he can like catch his breath yeah and and actually that was a scene from the uh when the, the first spider-man a uh, film that after he saved uh mj and those kids and stuff like the goblin was about to attack him and then the the people of new york start throwing stuff at at goblin and got him to kind of run away so that spider-man can get himself together so he could go after him or whatever mm-hmm. so i've seen that before but it just seems so like it was almost like how do we get Spider-Man from point A to point B so he can finish the film? Oh, let's line up these cranes and have the people of New York help all of a sudden. Like, come on, man. <laughs> like, it just ruined it for me. I'm sorry. Yeah, it, it can it can do that. But yeah, so I think that I th- every time they do um, the black spider suit, though, un- it, there's a buildup to it that they completely miss. So the whole the build up to it was you know the suit is giving him everything. And for him to get everything, it's taking something away. It's taking little bits of control away. It's making him start to go crazy in a bit, in a way. In the mm-hmm. com- in the comics, it um how many comic books did that take? 2 or 3? I think it was a mini season. For for the initially for the symbiote to start taking him over. Yeah, it, it was a tr- uh, pretty drawn out storyline because he got 
the Secret World. He got it from Secret Wars in like 86, I want to say. And I feel like he didn't start having issues with it until sometime in 87. Yeah. So I, it, was, it was something they drew out. Uh, but as far as it affecting him, I guess, I think they probably showed that within, let's say, the first six issues after they introduced an Amazing Spider-Man. So, yeah, I agree with you there. Sorry about that. No, no <laughs> you're right. But we needed the comic story info. And nicely done, MJ. And so with, uh, with the, de- the weight of those things, like that, again, I said weight, but there's weight to some of the things that Spider-Man does. When he starts blowing people off, there's a weight to it, and it starts affecting him later, and it just starts to compound and start getting worse. And you're missing that when they just throw the black suit in for like, you know, a two-hour movie. Mm-hmm. Like things have to go bad, and then he starts to realize, why am I doing all this shit? Why am I fucking my own life up? And start to realize, hey, wait a minute, I've been in this suit all day. I was supposed to be in class. What the hell's going on? Mm-hmm. So it's it's supposed to be like one of those horror realizations. So I've given my three and four and fuck it. I don't think they'll be able to do a black suit well, but maybe an animated they might be able to. And um, if they pick up with. Uh, was that 616 Peter Parker that was uh, teaching him? Uh, yes, that was 616 because. Uh, that was a Spider-Man of Miles' universe that got killed by Kingpin. Yeah, yeah that was 616. Okay, so if they have a thing where 616, where 616 comes back and comes back to try to train him, and things start going wrong, and then they figure out, oh, hey, this is a black suit. Like yours, right. Miles. Um, that I would like to see and for them to pick up in another movie. Okay. Got you. Marcus, what about your Spider-Man films? I know that Spider-Verse is number one for you. Obviously. Are you sure? Well, never mind. Okay, go ahead and lay it on us then. Alright, so I think we're... So do we all agree that the second Spider-Man is number three? No. Number one. Yeah, I said number one. Oh, really? I thought you said it was three. Oh. No, I I said three would be... Um, homecoming. No, wait. No, I said homecoming was one. So no, I'm sorry, Marcus. I did say third. I'm sorry. Jeez. Mike said it was one. I'm sorry. Jeez, Mike just went around Robin Hood's barn. You expect me to remember what happened? Did <laughs> All right. So for me, Spider-Man Two is is number is my number three. Um, I watched it like last year or like a a while ago, and I actually forgot how good it actually was. Um, the third movie, like that. Sh- that shunned me from watching any other movies again. Like, I like I hadn't revisited it in a long time, but it did age, you know, fairly well. Um, yeah, so, Molina is a is a freaking star in that movie as Octopus Man. Yeah, he was really good. And the funny thing is, I think that I mean between him and um, Willem Dafoe in the first one, like I mean, they did hit a stride with their you know the villain. So, oh yeah, so them. And another underrated thing I want to say. I know I'm interrupting you, but just real quick, the best uh, villain turn in Spider-Man Three, honestly, was after Harry got his uh, memory back and he realized he remembered everything after his amnesia, which I thought was stupid. But when when uh, I know he's trash or whatever, but 
when uh that guy whose name is escaping me, I can see his dumb old face, the guy who played Harry Osborne. Um, when he knows he's fucking with Peter and he's in that role, like right before he actually goes back to be a new goblin, that's actually really fucking good. Mm. Um, but then the rest goes back to being terrible again. But you can go ahead, Marcus. I just want to make that point. <laughs> uh, yeah, fucking. Uh, I know you're talking about. Um, yeah. Uh, but so. All right. Franco. So that's one. James Franco. Yeah, yeah. James Franco. All right. So, you know, that leaves number one or number two. So. Um, I think the top two for me, it has to be um, either Homecoming or Spider Verse. And Kellen, you were right. Spider Verse is number one for me. <laughs> you were real aggressive about it, though. So I was like, oh, well, I, what I, did you say, Mark? <laughs> no, I got I got to keep people on their toes, man. Um, but yeah, like, I just think that I do think that you know, for Into the Spider Verse. Well, actually, just talk about Homecoming for a second. Like, Homecoming was really, really good. Like, I think, I don't think, I think no movie has a flaw, honestly. I think Homecoming is very special in its way. And it really did revitalize, like, the Spider Man in my mind. Like, because, like, you know, I didn't really, the Andrew Garfield ones, like, you know, I wasn't in, into those. And, like I said, Spider Man 3, like, that, that really turned me off into it. But, Whenever they brought back Spider-Man to the fold for the MCU, like they've done a really great job so far. And Michael Keaton, like Michael Keaton was, uh, he was, you know, he's on the comeback trail for his career. Like he, ever since uh, Birdman. Birdman, uh, yeah, man. Like he's been basically on a roll. So um, I think he's in Dumbo too. Yeah, I think he is too. <laughs> um, I, think, I think that may be his hiccup. <laughs> but Michael I mean, Keaton as. Uh, Vulture was amazing. Oh, yes. yeah. It really was. Um, and even um, uh, to bring him back um, Happy, just for like the cameos. Yes, um, Happy. And John Tony, Favreau. Yeah, and Tony Stark being, you know, in and out of the movie just for, you know, the small parts that he was in, like, as a mentor role. And I think they handled everything awesomely. Um, I do have to get. I just got to get the edge to Spider Verse because Kingpin, like Kingpin, really was just sort of fierce and unforgiving, just sort of force in the movie. And the turn with Prowler, like you know, I didn't, ex- I didn't see that coming, and so that was like a really sort of jarring sort of thing to go through. But I think the way that, I think the way that they handled Miles' character and his development was slightly better than the Tom Holland character. As far as development is concerned, but I think I think in the second movie, I think Far From Home, I think they're going to give him a little bit more depth of who he actually is as as Peter Parker. Oh yeah, I think so too. They kind of yeah. have to. That that would be terrible if they left him flat. Yeah. So I'm expecting big things for Homecoming, but for right now, I have. I'm sorry, I'm expecting big things for Far From Home, but for right now, I could pick Homecoming at two and Into the Spider Verse at number one. So I got a fun fact for you guys. If they hadn't, uh, if Sam Raimi had been allowed to continue to Spider-Man films and do it Spider-Man form, Spider-Man Four, he would have used the Vulture in Spider-Man Four according to what he wanted to do. Mm. Guess who he wanted to play Adrian Toomes and AKA the Vulture in Spider-Man Four? Who? John Malkovich. Ah, oh, God. Uh-huh. No, that would have been terrible. 
I mean, Popovich he's definitely a good actor, but he's not better than he looks like an old bald man. Yeah, and he's been looking like that for like the past twenty five years. True story. <laughs> Just thought y'all would like to appreciate that, and instead we got Keaton. It uh, took many many years later to get there, but still, and some terrible reboots. But oh, even the even the turn with Keaton, like um, well, not the turn, but like whenever. Him and um, Tom were in the car. Oh, that, like, that attention! Mm-hmm. Like, well, that shit was crazy. Insane. Yeah, the reveal was insane in that whole car scene. I think we've mentioned it before, but God, I love that scene so much. That yeah. scene was. It. It's just like when because both of them realized everything at the same time. Mm-hmm. And yeah. You know, when you're when you're drawing a scene to have everyone realize everything and have that oh shit moment together, and then having it in that small car and that small conversation and everything being so tight made it it escalated that that tension to another level. Ratcheted it up for sure. Yup. Where is that fucking camera? <laughs> This shit uh, is driving me nuts. I'm looking for my wife's T5 because, for whatever reason, it's the only one that plugs into my computer, so I can't get the images from my T6 off. Sounds really bad, man. I'm sorry that you have to go through that. I know. That's really some... Um, it's probably somewhere that you look a thousand times, and you're going to go look the thousand and one time, and it's going to be right there. That is some first world issues I'm suffering through. Amen, brother. Speaking of first world issues, Marcus, what else you got? (laughs) (laughs) All right. So, um, okay. So we definitely talked about our love for not only the Spider-Men's, but, you know, the different movies that span the different, not only universes, but production companies. (laughs) Yes. Um, but looking back, particularly at 2018, because I hinted to it in the last pod that um, 2018 is probably going to be the best year for comic book movies ever. And so I wanted you guys to rank what was some of your favorite, um, your top five favorite movies, comic book movies from 2018. And here's a couple just to mean with you. Uh, Black Panther, Ant-Man and the Wasp. Deadpool 2, which I completely forgot Deadpool 2 came out last year. I still um, watched it. You never watched it? I haven't uh, watched it yet. Damn. That is, uh, that's a loss right there, Kel. Well, damn. these things it, happen. It's a good movie, though. Yeah, it's, it's really good. Um, so, yeah, Deadpool 2, Infinity War, Into the Spider-Verse, Venom, Aquaman, and I kind of cheated with Ready Player One, which was it wasn't a comic book, but it was a novel that they turned into a movie, so I just put it Yeah. No, I, I see where you're coming from with that one. Like, close enough. So, not even, even if you don't want to do top five, you can do, like, a top three. So, what would you guys, uh, Mike, starting with you, what would you say is your tops of 2018? Uh, let me see. So, both Spider-Man movies are tops for 2018. Um, I didn't see Ready Player One. And I did not either. I think um, I'm going to say that uh, the third movie that rounds it all off is Infinity War. As much as Black Panther was a movement, 
in terms of movies, it kind of let it's after the hype. It's kind of let me down a little. Oh, we'll get into that a little bit more. Why would you say it's been a letdown? Um, just because there's so much that it could have developed in terms of story and plot and world development. It just kind of was a little more flat than I expected. It had a very, it had a very pedestrian, it had a very pedestrian story to me where, you know, two brothers fighting for the crown and yeah, they, you know, a lot of people are, you know, affected saying Killmonger was right. But in the end, we know <laughs> Black Panther is the only one who was going to win. I needed something that had that resonance to say, oh, hey, maybe Killmonger was wrong, but there's going to be a lot of people who support and want to usurp because of that. So I don't know. So that's what I mean. Like when you think about a movie when that has those kind of depths, like, you know, they sit there and make you think afterwards, who's going to still be loyal to T'Challa? And this didn't really leave me with that. Whereas Infinity War, we have so much left to talk about, not just with all of the people who were gone and the people who are left and the impact of it all, but you know, there's the bigger story of, hey, this world is now not only seeing people with powers, but now they really know they're not alone. How do they handle that? And what do they do? Right. Like, that's a, that's one thing that um, I think uh, the next movies kind of start pushing. They're like, hey, uh we're not alone on on earth anymore and they may actually introduce a sword so um which would be amazing because then we get abigail brand and some of these other um basically galactic powered people but you know it started these movies started changing the scope and infinity war was another one that changed the scope black panther didn't really change the scope Shit. Do you, Kellen, do you agree that it didn't change the scope? It's like sound advice or whatever. It's like comics, conventions, and cosplay or whatever. It's like ladies' night or whatever. It's like wrestling or whatever. It's like parenting or whatever. It's like anime or whatever. It's like spiritual warfare, or whatever. It's like great friends, awesome people, coming around doing what we do best, or whatever. You should watch, listen, and follow, or whatever. It's like a podcast, or whatever. No, I completely disagree with that. That's fine. That's I, fine. I, I, and I see from the points you made, I completely can see your point. But from a cinematography standpoint and a movie standpoint and, and just the fact that, yeah, I can say now that 
almost a year removed from watching Black Panther. Like me and Marcus were gushing about it in February, but then if me and him did another pod to follow up on it, I'm sure he could find a bunch of stuff that we feel unnecessary things they could do better because we're not in that moment anymore. Mm-hmm. But even with all that, I mean, it was just such a big thing for for black creators to yeah. see this film be done and for it to be pulled off the way it was. Um, and I, I, th- I was thinking about it a lot when we were um, doing the Infinity War pod. Um, like when we were just talking about things that we didn't like about Infinity War. Or, and I, th- I don't remember who brought it up, whether it was Maps or Mike or something about things from Black Panther that didn't necessarily work. It might have been Maps, actually. And I was thinking about it. I was like, yeah, those things don't work. But the, the whole, the best part about the film is the movie's not just about Black Panther or about Killmonger. Mm-hmm. Or about Okoye, or Shuri, or about um, oh, I missed all the other girl. Damn, Lupita's gonna be pissed. What's her? What's Lupita's character's name? Nakiri. Um, I forget. Uh, Nakiri. No, I don't sound right. Uh, anyway, you know who I'm talking about. Lupita's character, like it's not just about them. The the main character of Black Panther is Wakanda and this whole amazing world that they're opening up, opening our eyes to. Sorry to interrupt, but you were right. It's not Nakiri, it's Nakia. Nakia, thank you. Um, But yeah, the, the main character is Wakanda. And as much as I could sit here and be like, well, I kind of wish that uh, they had lit up that final battle and use less CGI like Maps had mentioned or I wish that that first opening scene with T'Challa in the jungle wasn't so damn dark or I I could sit there and nitpick yeah but then you think about we got that awesome uh, I forget what country they are in I want to say Tokyo maybe or somewhere in Asia it was Um, in Korea Korea thank you Um, where they had that awesome they went to the legal casino and then you got to see Claw and T'Challa face off, and you got the awesome high speed chase and stuff. And then Shuri ran over somebody. So like, what was that? And I was like, don't worry about it. <laughs> like, like you you get moments like that. But then ultimately, as much as the globe trotting is cool, the best scenes take place when they're riding on the boat to go to the challenge, and the best scenes take place when they bury uh, T'Challa or, or Killmonger in the ceremonial sand and they go and speak to their fathers and things like that. Or when they're even doing the over-the-head shots, like during the final battle of the, the plane fights and stuff like that. And Wakanda is such a character in itself that it just means too much to just kind of nitpick it and throw it all away for saying, for saying these things are wrong in hindsight. And I, I just, I, I can't take that away from what they were able to do and how they were able to world build and then add that in with the black creators and everything that was done on that front. Mm-hmm. It's still an incredible monument and a movement, even a year later, what they accomplished. And the Oscar nods are awesome too, because there's no other comic book movie that's done that so far. Are they going to win? Hell no. But it's cool to be up there. See, see Chad. I mean, I don't think Chad would got best actor, but, um, to see Black, uh, Black Panther's best picture up there and stuff, and see into the Spider Verse as up for animation and things like that. Um, but I don't, I don't necessarily know if those doors open for Spider Verse for the animation stuff if Black Panther didn't come before. So, as much as 
I, I can see flaws in Infinity War or see flaws in Black Panther. And right now, I'm all about Spider-Verse being super great. I still have to say that I have not walked out of the theater feeling twice. I only went to see it twice. I walked out of the theater twice after Black Panther, just feeling amazing about uh, the possibilities of, of, what, uh, of what teamwork can do as far as sharing the Black, uh, the black vision on screen, even in a superhero realm. Mm. So... I'd say Black Panther is still the most viable. Um, Infinity War is still a lot of fun. Um, it has its bad points that we talked about last episode. Into the Spider-Verse, I, I, I think it's a flawless movie. Like I feel like if we were talking about Spider-Verse here a year from now, I feel like there's nothing wrong with it. The animation is incredible. Uh, the story, the way that they told it without overbloating it with... My uncle died, and, and they introduced each of the characters. The voice acting is awesome. Chris Pond as the original Spider-Man, and Jake Johnson as um, older Peter Parker, and um, Shamik Moore as uh, Miles. And then we already mentioned uh, the work of um, Mashallah Ali and um, of uh, Al, of Alfred from Atlanta. I can't believe I couldn't recognize his damn voice. Because I love I'm a big Atlanta dude. I've done episodes about Atlanta. I, I just don't think that there is any flaws in Spider-Verse. And I don't think we'll find any down the road. Um, but I, I still got to say Civil War, or Civil War. So I got to say Black Panther is uh, the most important film that comic book-wise in 2018. I'm going to take a breath now. <laughs> well, no, man, I got to get the issue off, man. Um, I think... I think uh, Mike's fandom for the New England MAGAs is sort of clouded his judgment. Oh, no, no, man. <laughs> See, you think that, except that, uh, you know, I'm still winning. You, you know what, though? As, as much as I can sit here and be mad that the Patriots are in another Super Bowl mm-hmm. and they could potentially have six championships, potentially. I still know that y'all suffered for freaking decades. Yeah, we did. We did. And... What that day may not come again for a while still, but the suffering is there. With the Yankees, the suffering's never there. With, oh, with the, um, hell, Red some Sox? people you might even say the Red Sox now, because the Red Sox have won so many um, in the past 10 years, for 15 years now. I, th- um, I, think we, I think we're in third place for the amount of uh, rings. Yeah. Yeah, so the people might say about the Red Sox, but let's say the Lakers are playing right now. They're playing in Timberwolves, and people, the Lakers always win. The Celtics always win. Like, you don't see those periods where they were irrelevant and they've climbed their way to the top, not with those two franchises. So the Patriots are hopefully having a moment that's eventually ending, Mm. but I can appreciate Mike's excitement a little bit more versus even a Steelers fan who will rub those six rings in your face and you can look at him and be like, uh, it's been over 10 years since Ben's been, uh, has been, has won a Super Bowl. And they're like, well, I don't care. We got six rings. Like, the Steelers even haven't been down like that. I mean, they were early on, but then the 70s happened. And wait, then Ben came wait, back around. Wait, wait, wait. 2000s, yeah. Is Ben Roethlisberger still alive? Uh, not to me. <laughs> okay. Ben's trash. Um, we've known that for many years. But I can at least appreciate his excitement and not be uh, coming from such a place of hatred other than Tom Brady directed. 
and and Belichick directed. As far as the franchise goes, though, I mean, I actually, I'll admit it, I think Julian Edelman is like probably one of my favorite wide receivers and has been for several years now. So I can't help it. He's a Patriot. (laughs) You know what? Let me just drop off. Uh, You guys can close out. Okay. Thank you guys for inviting me again. Yeah, no problem, man. Thanks for being on. Yeah, thanks for doing it, man. Have a good one, man. Yeah. You're not embarrassing me too much in front of my wife. Never, never. <laughs> and then there were two. And then there were two, man. <laughs> no, I think I think you said you were getting tired earlier. Um, no, I think that was a good. Um, I think that was a good report to um, a good retort to uh, what Mike was saying about Black Panther. Um, I kind of, I kind of understand where he's coming from in a sense yeah. that, like. You know, because we're removed from the excitement and the thrill of the release, you can, you know, step back and sort of look at the movie critically. Um, but I think that everything that the movie meant to the culture um, and just the quality of the movie and how it turned out, um, you know, is definitely, I think is definitely one of the best of last year. Um, I will put it at number three. Um, I would say... I do have it at number three. Um, honorable mention is Ant Man. Like Ant Man was like really such a good time. Ant Man was really a good time, and this is the fourth or fifth time we mentioned that on the pod, man. But Ant Man and Wasp, Paul Rudd is just such a freaking delight, and Evangeline Lilly. I mean, you can't go wrong with her either. She's great as Janet Van Dyne, and Michael Douglas is trash, but he does his thing too. And it's 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 I think it's a better film than the first Ant Man, and I really like the first Ant Man. So, yeah, it's definitely better than the first. Um, I think, I mean, shit, I mean, one movie had two short, one movie didn't. So, <laughs> so, so yeah, I got to put Black Panther, so number three. Um, I was wondering aloud if on Twitter, if, um, if Into the Spider Verse was better than Infinity War. Uh, um, I I don't think it is, but at the same time, I think there is, I think there is a lot. I think it's closer than what it actually can seem like because I think that both movies are super enjoyable, um, and I think it really is sort of special that Into the Spider Verse can really have you enjoying this movie so much for so many different reasons, and it only being the one movie, but for Infinity War because it is a culmination of this last decade. Uh, for Marvel that, you know, the way they handled it so far, and we haven't, you know, looked at Endgame yet because, you know, it hasn't come out yet, but, right. I mean, I think everything that Infinity War was, like, I think it definitely did not disappoint at all, and I got to give Infinity War the best of 2018 and then into the Spider-Verse number two. And, and there's nothing wrong with it, because I, I personally feel like I'm being too hard on Infinity War sometimes. Because, I mean, just to look at what we got, yeah. it's incredible. It's an incredible feat that they pulled off in itself. Talking about another um, another feather in Martin, the MCU's cap. Um, but yeah, I'm, I've been a little down on it, like the last two episodes, but um, I mean, Infinity War is still... It's still mind-boggling to sit down and watch that film and see all these different things that they've worked on come together. It's a beautiful thing to see. Yeah, man. Like I, I don't think they're disappointed. Um, and the story still holds up. It's the story's great. It's a great story. And again, we were nitpicking 
uh, last time when we did uh, the Infinity War episode, but it's a great ass story no matter what. It is like I think that I mean I think yeah, yeah like they pointed out um, I think it was Map or no I think it was Mike that pointed out you know um, uh, Scarlet Joe like she didn't really have much to do and, and yeah you know there are different things that were sort of I guess plot holes or whatever but I mean at the same time like I mean this was a movie that you know was three hours long and you know every everyone can't do everything and so. At some point, it's kind of like, you know, it would be, yeah, it would have been cool because I do think that they filmed things for um, ScarJo and Hulk and their, like, romance, but, you know, because that was some of, like, the, some of the stuff that was in the teaser trailers or whatever, mm-hmm. but, I mean, at the end of the day, I mean, that's something that, you know, we can sort of bypass because, I mean, they never really fleshed out their relationship anyway, so we don't need to sort of spend this sort of valuable time with Thanos looking at their relationship in all honesty. Yeah. Um, but, and I mean, and then we had Thanos, like, I mean, like yeah, we had Thanos this is incredible. One of the best villains of comic book movie history. I mean, we're, we were comparing yeah. the Joker last episode. Yeah. I mean, he's definitely top two. And so like, it's, I mean, it's not even close, honestly. And, but. and the crazy thing is we had just got Killmonger and we all thought he was a great villain and then turn around and get Thanos was just, just yeah. God, it just blows my mind. I think that, I think the MCU realizes that the villain has to be almost better than what the hero is because you need, because like if, if Heath Ledger wasn't as good as the Joker, you wouldn't really have been rooting for Batman in a way that you do. And for T'Challa, like, you don't really root for him as hard if he doesn't get his ass kicked at the waterfalls. And if mm-hmm. we don't get the, is this your king? If we don't get that, like, you know, we need our heroes to actually have something worth, they need an actual challenge. And, like, they need something that is not so cookie cutter as what you, you would necessarily expect it to be or whatever. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I think that, I think, Especially, I mean, Thanos is throwing planets at Tony Stark. I mean, I mean, he's going head to head with Doctor Strange, and he's like sort of weird, creative, and interesting ways. And so, so yeah, man, I think that's yeah. I think MCU is these motherfuckers are basically undefeated now. Like this shit is crazy. Yeah, and um, and I was, I mean, just to say it one more time, like we we were nitpicking the movie last time. But as a wrestling fan, I suspend my my belief all the time to kind of enjoy wrestling. You have to. You have to be able to suspend your belief in order to appreciate the product. And, I mean, we can sit here and be like, be like, oh, well, what Vision and Wanda, they got on our nerves and stuff like that. But, I mean, honestly, just sit back and enjoy the ride, man. That's all you got to do. And yeah. you got incredible material from all four, or like all three of those movies and Ant-Man and Wasp. Um, to enjoy and, and I mean, what a time to be alive. I mean, yeah, because like I mean, like I said, I mean, we had Wanda for all these movies, and her character was really ancillary for a lot of those movies, but now she's actually given things to do in a meaningful way, and you can see her emotional arc with Vision, 
and you can see her strength that she actually has as an Avenger. And so, you know, she had something to do, like, and she was a very, she is an Avenger. Like, she had to keep part of being an Avenger in this movie. When in other movies, like, I mean, that wasn't necessarily the case. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. How long is LeBron going to sit on the bench to completely turn the topic on another subject? <laughs> um, I, I, I think he's going to play in the All-Star. I think he's probably going to come back maybe... If I had to guess, like he's probably going to come back. All stars in like um, all stars like um shit. All stars like in a couple of weeks. All star yeah, like two like, weeks away, honestly. Two yeah, or three weeks. So, yeah. So I think I don't think he'll sit out all star, but I think he's trying to. I think he's trying to rest until they can try to get Ant back. Well, Ant in a trade or whatever. Yeah. Um. Because, I mean, this season, like, I mean, Lonzo is actually hurt now. Lonzo's going to be out for at least, like, a month and a half or Yeah, I saw that. So, I mean, LeBron actually does not need to be playing with this group of kids, honestly. Like, nah. if they're not going to be at full strength, like, that's like a waste of a season, honestly. Um, nah, you're right. So, yeah. another Another basketball question. Is uh, this Saunders kid who took over the Wolves, is that Flip Saunders kid? Yeah. That's oh, nice. Yeah. That's what's up. Yeah, man. So, <laughs> and the uh, Warriors definitely be the Wizards. So uh, yeah, it was close when I turned it on and I sat down out here, but they definitely uh, handled theirs, obviously. Yeah, they went for the six, but then they, like, they, I don't even know how much it won by. I, I got out by then. Yeah, it was, like, definitely double digits. Yeah. Hate to break it to you, buddy. Did you watch that uh, Spider-Verse Easter egg video I sent you? Oh, no, nah, no, nah, I didn't watch it. Okay. It was, it was pretty interesting. I, th- I thought you might uh, enjoy that. So if you ever get a, if you ever got a few minutes, I think it was actually like a 12-minute video or something like that, and you just want to sit there and check out some of the things that he found and stuff. It's pretty cool. Yeah, I'll, I'll take that, man. I'll watch it soon. So, so... I think we got one question left, or no, we got two questions. We didn't really answer the comic book film turned into a three questions. If you want to go over them, because I know we haven't covered the anime movies or live action. Mike did. Um, <laughs> well, yeah, I think he was the only one that actually answered it. But um, so, what do you think? Because um, did it kind of touch on a little bit, but do you think that well? We did kind of touch on what you can go a little quickly. Do you think these comic book movies would be better suited as animated films or live action? Because um, the thing I read, um, if I could find an article, I'll send it to you. But it really did make a really compelling point about how, you know, even for Into the Spider-Verse, like, you really did feel like it was just a comic book movie that came to life. And, you know, there are movies where the live action where... You know, Angel was talking sort of pointing to it earlier how with the world building, they get lost in that than actual telling the actual story of the movie and of the characters. Um, do you think that even particularly like, let's say Infinity War, like, do you think Infinity War would have been more enjoyable if it would have been like a like animated movie or? No, it, it, the 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 big draw for Infinity Wars is seeing all these live action characters come together to do this. Even if Marvel had attempted to do this on an animated level, 
it wouldn't be the same. I mean, because it's it doesn't take the same effort. It's literally like, okay, we're going to put all these characters in this movie, and and we're going to tell this story. And yeah, it'd still be cool. I mean, it might still be a fun little movie, but it it loses its appeal a little bit for it to be animated because that's almost cheating in a way, you know. Yeah. To get all these stars together to do this big film is what is one of the drawing points of Infinity War, and it's the culmination of the MCU as a whole uh, at yeah. this point. So you you can't do Infinity War as an animated feature. Yeah, because I was thinking because like I think um, Mike made the point of how um, DC could have could have put some of their animated films in theaters and see how it worked. But I think for DC, like they mostly do that with their, like the, a lot of the animated movies that I've like seen and heard about. It's always been with, like Batman or like someone who's a top star, mm-hmm. but they want the intellectual property to be like an actual actor. But I mean, I honestly, like, I mean, I think, I mean, I, I guess it's sort of easy to say like the bad movies could have been better animated, but I mean, I think in all honesty, that's probably the case. Like, I mean, I think like the Justice League movie would have been way better suited um, if it was like an animated film, because I think even the CGI in that movie was just like really over the top in a lot of places. And right. um, And I think like if they would have got a good treatment, like it could have been really, like really interesting. Um, Because I think even people like, like people like the animated um the lego batman movie a lot like that got pretty good praise or whatever oh yeah that movie's a lot of fun and so is the lego movie but that's just i mean that that's just a stupid good time with legos which everybody played with from one time to another um but i mean they're not bad films this is a good time waster they're not they're not reinventing the wheel or anything by any means I mean, DC is not doing that anyway. So, mm. so I mean, I think yeah, if they would have, I think if they would have put like effort into like a Justice League animated movie, like Sony did with the Spider Verse, I mean, like I think it would have been better, honestly. Um, but I think it's sort of a, I think it is sort of a pick and choose type of thing because I do think like Robert Downey is a real live Tony Stark, like that's. That's really amazing. I think Chris Hemsworth and um, Chris Evans' real life, like actual Avengers, like, I mean, it gives you a face to what, you know, the comics and the cartoon and the animated shows actually are. So, I mean, if it's done right, I think the live action can be better. But at the same time, like, like I said, like, there's a couple of examples of where, you know, they would have been better suited to do an animated movie anyway, if they would have been, you know, created enough to actually pull it off. Mm-hmm. And um, I was going to say that one of the things that Spider-Verse has going for it, and I, I just absolutely loved it, was the visual design of everything. And they actually get into it a little bit in that video I sent you. But if, if they just did a, a normal, straight, like let's say um, computer-generated kind of Pixar-style superhero film, I don't know if it would, and they wanted it in theaters, I don't think it would do as well. Especially versus a, an actual Pixar movie, people go to see those films because they're Pixar movies. But or a same thing with a Disney film, they go to see that Disney animation. But I don't know if seeing, let's say, a Wolverine movie animated, um, I don't, I don't know if that would be enough to get people to come out to go see a Wolverine movie, you know, or an X Men I mean, movie. But I mean, that's the thing. Like Hugh Jackman was such a great 
Wolverine. Mm-hmm. Like um, uh, Patrick Stewart, which is a great Professor X. Like an animated Logan movie would have, it wouldn't have been as good as the real Logan movie. Oh, there's no and way. And even like, here's a perfect example, Black Panther. There's no way an animated Black Panther movie would have had nearly the same cultural reverence as the live action one. Because, I mean, these are like real black actors and like black directors and black stage designers and costume designers. Like the woman who was a costume designer for this got nominated for at the Academy Awards for Best Costume Design. And I definitely hope I think she's going to win. I hope she wins. Like, I mean, but like these are like beautiful like pieces that these people are wearing in real life. And I mean, Mm -hmm. you know, if this would have been animated, like. No, it wouldn't have had nearly the same sort of cultural impact if, if it was like the actual movie that came out. Oh, there's no way at all. No. Yeah. No way at all. So, yeah, man. So, so I think we're in agreement. It's sort of a pick and choose, but I mean, if you have, I, I think we agree, like, if you have the actors in the story to pull it off, and if it's like a really short thing, the live is better, but if it's sort of like spotty and kind of iffy, like the animated movie is probably the better route to go. Yeah, you nailed it on that one. So from there, what comic book would you like to next see turned into an animated movie? I just thought of that myself, you know, because I'm just that good. <laughs> I'm not reading anything from a list or anything like that, but honestly, what, what movie would you like to see a, a comic book um, made out or comic book. What comic book would you like to see an animated form, uh, similar to Spider Verse, off the top of your head? Um, this is kind of random, but I think uh, I think it would be pretty gnarly to see like a Tank Girl, like something uh. like something super out of the box like that, but kind of get reintroduced to like a a new audience. Um, because Tank Girl, I mean that. That comic book was like super short anyway, but um, mm-hmm. and then they had the movie in like '95, I think, '94, something like that. Um, but I think something like that, like I think that will resonate like super well today. Like, I mean, oh, I like, think so too, because T- Tank Girl is already kind of a cult film anyway. Yeah, um, exactly. So, so I, I think that that would go over great in an animated form. Yeah, so that was that was my choice. What would you? If anything, like even if it's like something small or something big, like what would you like to see, like a give the Spider Verse treatment? Um, actually, there's two. I'm gonna give you an indie, and then I'm gonna give you a a, a major, and I'll start with the major first. Since they've messed it up a few times now, I enjoyed the first films when they came out, but it obviously had their flaws because they tried to reboot it and it didn't work at all. I would love to see the Fantastic Four in an animated film. Yeah. I, I think um, that would be the way to do it versus trying to cast the four of them again and pull off a live action movie. I know ultimately the goal would be to introduce the Fantastic Four and the X-Men and the MCU since uh, the Disney um, purchase of the the properties from Fox went through. But ultimately I think animation would serve the Fantastic Four best and it could be done in a style that'd be true to their roots without it being too you don't gotta go too gritty. You don't gotta go too um I almost said poppy. You don't gotta go too upbeat. 
you can you can just tell a main level story about the Fantastic Four, and I think it could be done well in in two hours tops or ninety minutes um, with the right 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 people on it. So I'm gonna say Fantastic Four first. Oh, okay. And then for the indie property, um, I'm going to say, um, actually they they tried to do a live action show of this, and I never watched it. It was on uh. Actually, it was on the PlayStation Network uh, a few years ago. But there's this uh, indie comic called Powers. And I don't know if you ever heard. It's by Brian Michael Bendis, the same guy who, ironically enough, created Miles Morales, along with Sarah Pacelli a few years ago. Um, It's about these two cops. It's it's essentially a, a procedural, except it's set in the world of superheroes. So the Powers division... Of uh, of the police in this world, they uh, follow up on any kind of superpower related crimes that happen, and not necessarily like stopping villains or anything like that. But they're coming in as almost a damage control, or someone gets murdered by a superpower or something like that. They come in to investigate. And the very first story is called "Who Killed Retro Girl?" And Retro Girl was a popular superhero um, around the city. Um, that they live in and they're trying to figure out exactly who murdered her within like the first story arc and I would love 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 because the, the way that uh, the artist draws the comic already is very animated it almost is in a um, Batman animated series kind of style mm. I would love to see that actually turned into an animated film and uh, one of the twists is it's, it's not giving away too much to say this but there's a the main detective's name his name is Walker and then his partner is her name's Dina Pilgrim. Walker is a former superhero who lost his powers and is now working for the police. So you have that twist there too. But I would love to see that put in animated form because I never actually checked out the show because like I said, it was on a weird thing, PlayStation Network. I heard I didn't hear anything too much about it, but I would love to see that put into a a gritty kind of form. Um even even Netflix because um it's a it's a Vertigo book well not Vertigo um it's a mature title is what I'm trying to say and so they deal with adult themes and and murder and blood and drugs and sex and rock and roll all the things I'd like to see that put on a platform where they could still tell those stories too um and kind of stay true to what the show is actually all about so that's my picks I like the picks um I think that I mean. Fantastic Four, like they need a hard reset somehow. Mm-hmm. Um, like they, sure, like they've been just <laughs> been handled so terribly. <laughs> so I don't know, man. They definitely need something, and so I don't know. I think, yeah, like I think that I think I don't know if the maybe the characters are maybe sort of too throwback ish, but I don't know. I think that. I think at least in an animated form, like with the right sort of script, um, I don't know. I think it could be at least a, a pretty good watch. So, because I used to watch even the, I remember the um, the the animated show from like the late oh, 90s. the, the Marvel that. Superhero Hour. Yeah. Yeah, because they had Iron Man and had Fantastic Four. Yeah, man. I used to check that. Out. I used to come on like six o'clock on Saturday mornings, and sometimes I wake my ass up to watch that shit. <laughs> yeah, man, I'm not doing that anymore. But, <laughs> but yeah, man. So I think it's gonna be pulled off. I think you had a good point. Shit, I, uh, let's work on a screenplay, man. 
Let's do it. <laughs> we don't have anything to do. I mean, this is only the third time we're talking in like less than a month. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Oh, man. Well, yeah, so, so. so we got one final question, I think, now. And, and that would be to wrap everything up. Yeah. And I'm just, I'm just going to, I'm moderating the boat now. I'm the captain now, Marcus. <laughs> Look, looking forward to more. Would you say it's Far From Home or the Spider-Verse sequel if they do one? Um, I'm not going to lie. Like, I am, I do have excitement for Far From Home. But if they dropped a trailer for Into the Spider-Multiverse Part 2. Like, I would be more hyped for that, honestly. Yeah. Like we forgot to even mention Nick Cage as Spider-Man Noir, man. I know. <laughs> <laughs> he was great. I know. I mean, I think I mean that's a testament to the movie. I mean, like, I think that there were just a lot of just well done characters and like and the actors handled them like very, very well. Um and I do think Kingpin was su- was supremely good in that movie, like um I don't know if they're going to bring Kingpin into like the. Um, I don't know if they're going to bring Kingpin eventually into the MCU, um, but but yeah, man, like they did a really good job with them. Yeah, 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 a hundred percent. They they did a great job. Um, I'm worried about Far From Home. I I absolutely hate the fact that they had to drop the trailer. It it get and then. Freaking Kevin Fahey comes out and is like, "Oh, this is right after um, Endgame," so it's like we we knew they were going to survive somehow. Certain people would, but it's kind of like I don't know. It just takes away the specter from Endgame a little bit. I know it's only Spider Man; it's only a small piece of the big puzzle that is Avengers Endgame. But I hate the fact they had to drop it. But they got a movie they got to promote that's coming out like when is it July? So it's coming out just a few months after Endgame. I mean, honestly, I don't think they really needed to drop it this early, honestly. I mean, no. End, no. End, Endgame's going to come out in April, I'm guessing. Yeah, I um, believe the date's set for April right now. I mean, this is such a big movie, and like Marvel's such a part of like just culture. You literally could have dropped a trailer for Homecoming like three weeks after Infinity War release and people are still going to see Far From Home. Yes. Um, yeah, they didn't really need to drop it this soon. Um, I think it is kind of a... Well, because it's going to come out in July, so I mean, I guess it technically would have to be after Endgame or whatever. Um, but... You can even know. put it at the very end of the a freaking... You can put it mid credits somewhere of Endgame. You can do a regular end credits. You can do another halfway through. Actually, do the Spider Man trailer in there, and then you can do um, a very end thing at the end of the movie. They could have done it like that, and then and then give it like a week or two after Endgame's out, and then you can officially drop the trailer to uh, to everyone. Is what I would have done, but they don't ask me these questions. <laughs> you know what's so bad about the trailer? I think that they're basically hinting that Tony Stark is he's not going to be around. Because um, basically, I think Sam Jackson going to do what Tony Stark was doing. Mm-hmm. So you said Tony's not going to be around? Yeah. Yeah, I got a very big uh, Tony is dead vibe from that too, and I hated that too. Yeah. 
So yeah, so that's gonna really suck. But but yeah, I think it was I think it was too early. Um I think the trailer was I think the trailer was fine. I think it was a good trailer, but um but yeah, I think I'm really big on Miles' character in this universe that they're that Sony's creating. And I don't know how long Sony's gonna still on the rights to him or mm-hmm. Yeah, I think Sony does. I don't think Mar- I don't think uh, Marvel Studios has any parts of that. So, and I know Sony's trying to build now that they got their Spider-Man right, and I haven't seen Venom yet. I'll eventually get to it, but I know they're trying to build their own Spider-Man shared universe to kind of build with. And I don't know how. I I don't know if they plan on crossing over live action and animated. I don't know if we'll see Tom Hardy voicing Venom in Spider-Verse 2 or something like that, or them actually bringing in an actual actor to play Miles in a Venom 2 or something like that. But um, I know they're trying to build their own little universe and stuff, um, but I, I I really like where they're what they've established so far with Miles, whether that's future plans as far as sharing him with the universe or if he's going to be his own little thing. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I think... Cause even like even in Homecoming, they Childish um, Gambino's character alluded to, I guess Miles is his cousin, if I remember right, or some shit like that. No, he, but, he um, he's uh, he's Uncle Aaron in uh, Homecoming, actually. Oh, he is. Yeah, he's Uncle Aaron. Yeah, he's Aaron Davis in the in the movie in Homecoming. Oh shit! I, damn, yeah, because he said he said I don't like having guns in the neighborhood. He said it to uh, the goons or whatever. Maybe Bokeem Woodbine getting that paper. Shout out to Bokeem. Um, <laughs> he was like, I don't like having guns in the neighborhood and all this. And then uh, uh, my nephew lives here. Is what he had actually said. And that and I don't know if he it was said his name was Aaron Davis, but I think he was credited as Aaron Davis in the in the credits. And that's what they're getting. He's hinting at his nephew Miles in the actual. MCU universe. Now, whether they expand upon that is a whole different thing. So, like, if they, so, I guess it's a question of if they'll make him prouder than, in a sense. Yeah. But with Far From Home being out of New York, I don't think we're going to be worrying about that anytime soon. Not until the third uh, MCU Spider-Man film comes out, I would say, once he gets back in New York. and Unless it's far from home as literally, like, say, the beginning of half of the movie's a trip, and then he comes back home, like, mid-film, and has to deal with whatever he's dealing with. Yeah. But I, I am worried about far from home. It's the MCU, so I, I trust it. But because of how much I highly revere Homecoming, I worry that it may be a letdown that they may be trying to stuff too many villains in. Um, I worry about that too. So I am also going to say that if they announce into the Spider-Verse 2 or just a second Miles movie period, um, I would totally be down for that. Um, I don't think you go back to the Spider-Verse well. I think you could go back to maybe um, they did at the end of the movie have Gwen contacting Miles from her universe. So if you wanted to go back to their realm, like their well, and have them like tag team and have a, their own plot line that they're working on together, that would be cool if it's done properly. Um, I don't know if you necessarily go with bringing everybody in, but you definitely they have to continue Miles' story at this point. They just have to. I'll be severely disappointed if this is the only glimpse we get into this awesome movie, this awesome universe. 
Yeah, that would be pretty disappointing. But I mean, I think I mean I think uh, Sony at least like they understand like the value of having a Marvel property. So mm-hmm. I mean, I know I mean I didn't see Venom, but I know we're gonna get at least another Venom movie. Um, yeah, it made a bunch of money, man. Yeah, it made a ton of money. I didn't think that damn symbiote was that popular in 2018, but boy, was I wrong. Yeah, it did pretty well. Um, and I mean, Spider Verse did pretty well too. So mm-hmm. I, I think the they would. Too. Yeah, I think they would make the the sequel to it. So if I had to guess, I mean, just a complete start shot in the dark, I would say probably it will come out in 2021, maybe, but. Mm-hmm. If they do, if they do, like I'll be first in line to see that one for real. Yeah, like like I said, like I saw the initial trailer for it, and it made me laugh, and I was like, yeah, I'm totally in on this. Like, I I my um indifference to Miles had kind of worn off over the years. I was like, yeah, I'm ready to see what this is about, and I knew about the Spider Verse comics, and I I'd known how convoluted they were, but I wanted to see how they pulled it off. And I trusted some of the names I saw was doing the voice acting. And so I, I started getting excited about the film and stuff. And then um, I was definitely ready to see it before you started hyping it up. Because um, did you go see it on a whim? Like, or were you planning, like, like how, how did that work out for you when you went to go see it? Um, a couple of, couple of people I know my job, like, they said that they liked it. And I like did see it on a whim. Um, I got a we we had like a half day at work, and I think it was like um, I think it was like Christmas Eve or something like that. And I got to work super early, and it played like ten minutes after I got out of work, and like I actually worked like down the street from a movie theater. So I like just rolled in that like it was totally like. I didn't have anything to do. I mean, it was, it was like two o'clock in the afternoon. So like, I didn't have like, um, anything to do for us of the day for real. So I like caught it like totally by, uh, totally by accident. Totally on a whim. Gotcha. And I'm actually, uh, doing a little podcast of one one here. Uh, they are actually, um, already set the wheels in motion to, uh, to, uh, get the sequel done to spider verse. And they're going to do some spinoffs. They're already talking about doing a Spider-Women film, which will star Spider-Gwen, um, the Jessica Drew Spider-Woman, a, uh, another Spider character named Silk, and her name is Cindy Moon. So they're already talking about that. And they've even said, which I'm happy about, they may explore possibilities of doing a spinoff starring Spider-Ham. <laughs> With John Mulaney uh, still voicing the character. Um, I don't know. I don't know if we need that, but uh, maybe as a cutscene at the end, maybe. Yeah. Um, I, but, yeah. I was super happy to see Spider Ham, and I'll tell you why. Because um, in the eighties, uh, they there was this offshoot of Marvel called Star Comics, and they literally they were doing like uh, a lot of the licensed properties came from Star. Like I think they were doing uh, tra- or not Transformers, like GoBots comics and. Uh, things like that. A lot of toy line comics are coming that way. But then they were doing um, this one comic that was an animal version of a superhero. It was Spider-Ham. And I, uh, my dad picked up a couple of those issues for me. And just like they said in the movie, he went by Peter Porker. He was a literal pig. Everything in his universe was animals. There's like Captain America and 
Iron Mouse and things like that. And it just it was this whole alternate dimension dimension of these uh, for of these animal superheroes. And I, I just thought it was super cool then. The comics back then were more serious. It was more like more regular Spider-Man. Like it wasn't as zany as they made Spider-Ham in the movie because obviously there's no reason for him to be that damn serious and be more more Peter Parker like when you already have two Peter Parkers has been in a film. You have Nick Cage running around, Spider-Gwen, Miles, already out, out bring all the seriousness. So they could obviously, pun intended, ham it up more with Spider-Ham. So um, I, I just thought it was really cool that they actually brought him into it and they didn't overkill it either with him being in the movie because they easily could have been like just exposed too much. But him and um, the anime and the anime character, um, many, many, no, no, Penny, Penny Parker. Um, I thought we didn't see too much of them. We got just enough of their characters while we still got plenty of um Spider Gwen and Peter Parker and Miles and uh, I thought we could have used a little bit more Nick Cage, but honestly, we probably got the right amount of Nick Cage because you never know Nick. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, I was pleasantly surprised to see Peter Parker in there. So I don't know if he'll get a spinoff. Like I said, I don't know if he could sustain his whole a whole movie. It's a, it's a little too goofy to sit through for a whole movie's running time, but uh, I'm glad they pulled it off like they did in the movie. Yeah, man. I mean, I think with any other sort of, I guess, um, in any other hands, like having the, um, you know, the anime character and the pig and like that could have been like too much. But I mean, they they all put it off, man. Like kudos to them. Like they really pulled it off really, really yeah. well. Yeah. And like Aaliyah said earlier this morning, I can't wait to watch watch this movie again just so I can. I can kind of take things in all over again because it, it it was an assault on the senses. And I don't mean that in a bad way. Like there was always something to see. And as being, as being webhead number one, I'm always looking for Easter eggs and different things. And I saw a few cool things I noticed throughout the film. Like um, whenever they're scrolling through their phones and stuff like that, you saw creators names um, like comic book artists, comic book writers and, um, other people that weren't actually like other characters in their universes or in the comic books that they weren't going to interact with in the film, but it was cool seeing them scroll by those names and stuff like that. So there's a ton of things that I will just love to spend hours picking out as I rewatch this film. So I'm looking forward to that too. Yeah, man. Um, I saw it again. I saw it twice and it still really holds up for me. Um, I don't know if I want to catch it a third time in the theaters, but if I get some free time and I see it, like I, I may do it again, man. So I think we've uh, covered everything as far as I know. Yes, sir. All your your, uh, questions. Yes, sir. Was there anything uh, else that you wanted to touch on? Because, yeah, like we, we definitely went through everything I wanted to talk about. Nah, man, I, I am completely, completely happy with this episode. We had a little bit of Angel, had a little bit more of Mike before he had to bow out, and then we uh, brought it home ourselves. So I'm happy. <laughs> uh, good, cool, man. Uh, got any recommendations for the listeners? <laughs> uh, yeah, go see Into the Spider Verse. That's my recommendation. <laughs> That's all I got. Go, go check out that movie. 
Um, you're not going to regret it. Like Angel went in completely cold and and completely loved it. My four-year-old loved it. It's it's fun for all ages, man. Um, and, and the plot is something real easy to follow along with. Like as much as you might think, oh, a time travel movie and this might not be for me. Like you got to see this movie. You're, you're, you're going to have a great time watching this film. Definitely. Definitely. And thank you, Marcus, for gassing me up so that I uh, pushed myself to go see it or I wouldn't have seen it in the theater. <laughs> yeah, man, I'm telling you, the, the theater experience, especially for a movie like this, I mean, this is what movie theaters are, are supposed to be for. So, so yeah, man, I mean, if there's, I mean, I'm always, I'm a big cinephile, so if I can always, um, you know, promote, you know, dope shit in a movie theater, I totally will. Yeah. Hell yeah. <laughs> well, Marcus, it's always a pleasure to everybody. So thanks for being on the show. And we're going to get together again real soon because that's what we do. And I got a goal to meet this year. So um, <laughs> for, for Marcus Show and Mad Love Robinson, I'm Kellen Conley. And uh, this has been Hyphenation. Thanks, y'all. Peace.